to experience the absolute joy it is when sisters are united, running towards the Lord. And I think COVID has brought that a little of us. But so those are our two graces we are praying. Because we were made to return to the house of the Father. So I'm going to read one of my favorite parables. Um, and then we'll just time for prayer. This is there was a thing, if you could just pray it while I read it. And if you have your Bible, Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the paws that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat and to spare? And here I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Behold, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. So first, I, I want to focus on the figure of the father, because I think the father in the parable 
gives us a window into the heart of our Heavenly Father. And I just want to focus on two aspects. So I have always imagined the Father in the parable to be super wealthy, right? Super wealthy and super generous. In order to give away half of his inheritance and then like still like um, host an entire household and farm. And then throw this huge, crazy, abundant feast for his wayward son. He is a generous father. The heart of our father is abundant. It is overflowing with grace and mercy and generosity. Scriptures describe God as rich in mercy. Great is his love for us. Immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. He is a God of overflow. <laughs> John 1 says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Psalm 36 says, They relish and feast on the abundance of your house, and you cause them to drink of the stream of your pleasures. Now, Catholics conceive of creation as simply the inner life of God, like moving outwards and bubbling over. He is abundance and generosity and overflowing. The first line of the Catechism says that God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. God, our Father, longs to pour out his blessed life upon you. He fills you to overflowing. It's his nature. He can't do anything less. You know, the Carmelites have to say that God will never be outdone in generosity. I mean, it's why he sent Jesus to bring his lost children home to us, to him. And the father, in the parable, at the end, tells his resentful older son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Like, imagine that, everything I have. And the thing is, is that he tells that to you, and he tells that to me. Everything I have is yours. So a few years ago, I prayed this novena to St. Tricks, you know? For <laughs> um, just for an intention very near to my heart. And I remember it was the day before it was supposed to end, and I remember like barely praying it, like I almost forgot, and then when I was praying, I was totally um, And then when it ended, I just remember feeling super sad <laughs> and discouraged. And after examining this, it was like, I was sure the Lord wouldn't hear me because I didn't pray it well enough, you know? Um, and so the day ended when I was supposed to possibly see a rose, and I was at this family event, and we were cleaning up, and a woman came up to me and said, hey, um, there are flowers left over. Go to that wall and pick what you want. And I kid you not, I walked to the wall, and it was like roses upon roses upon roses just before me. And what I heard the Father say to me is, everything I have is yours. Take your pick. I long to give good gifts to my children. And I was overwhelmed by the abundance of my Father and the generosity of my Father. And I feel like that is the gift of the novena for me. He exceeds our limited and our small expectations of him. He will always outdo us. Everything I have is yours, he says. You know, see in the parable with the younger son, when he receives him back, I mean, this was a son who rejected him. 
In that culture, for a son to ask a father for his inheritance, that's saying, I wish you were dead. You are dead to me. I don't want to be in relationship with you. I want to live life outside of you. That, that is what that question means. And so here's this son, right, who rejected him, probably hurt him very deeply. And what does the father say? <laughs> Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and make merry. So I think that those there might be some small details in the parable that we might miss. First, he gave him a robe. Um, I obviously love this parable, and Rembrandt painted I, the Return of the Prodigal Son, and I have this hanging in my living room, and I don't know if you can see it. But the older son and father, right, are wearing rich crimson robes. And the robe was a sign of his sonship. And when the father said, put this robe back on him, it's like reinstating him as a son. Servants don't wear a robe. Right, the ring gave him authority in the household. With a ring, he could command servants in the name of the father. He had a place there in his household. He got his identity, his authority, and because he didn't have sandals on, most likely that meant he was a slave in this other country. And in the father giving him shoes, he gave him his freedom. His dignity, his identity, his authority, his freedom has all been restored by the father. Like not only restored, he was lavished upon. Right? And that is ours. That is our spiritual inheritance. That is what Christ has won for us. Not anything we have done. He wants to give it to us, to bestow it upon us. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So the heart of the Father is abundant. And second, the heart of the Father never tires. Pope Francis in reflecting on this parable, said, you know, the reason that the father saw the son from so far away was because he went out every day looking for him. The father went out of the terrace to see if his son would return, and he waited. And when he saw him, he went out in haste and threw himself on his neck. And the God who waits for us, he does not tire of forgiving. We are the ones who tire in asking forgiveness. He does not tire. Our Father goes out and searches for us and meets us more than halfway. And he comes to us and he embraces us even in our rejections of him. And he rejoices when we are home. And he rejoices in whatever state we may be. Pope Francis goes on to say that even when God invites us to conversion with maybe stern words, it always includes a loving longing, an invitation, a beckoning of a father saying to his son, to his daughter, come back home. It is time to come back home. Our father never forces himself on us. He never will take away our freedom, but his heart will never tire of searching for us. But for me, this is kind of my perennial struggle. I just cannot fathom that. 
Because when I view the Father's love, often it is just completely dependent on my own actions. Like when I feel like I didn't respond, well, look at that sin, look at that weakness, look at what I haven't done, etc., etc. I just instantly doubt the power of my Father and the power of his love for me. So when I initially began to stay home, I was working for SPO as a missionary, had Margaret, and then more fully stayed home with her. And I felt so disappointing to the Lord in my daily life. And yes, if I cry, it's also because I'm pregnant. Probably I'm being moved, but I'm also just going to cry. But I realized when I saw the Lord, like this good friend, but he's kind of like a distant friend, you know? And it's like what that friendship, like you have a really good time together, and then you kind of go separate ways, and like you forget about each other in the meantime, and then you like get together and like catch each other up. Um, but I realized that he was, you know, he's not that interested in what I'm doing, and the burden of, and this was the key, that the burden of our relationship was on me, you know? And if I don't get his attention, and if I don't do all these holy things and spiritual things, we don't have a relationship. So as you can imagine, God sought me out. And all of a sudden, Psalm 139 kind of began to like pop out at me. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest when I sit down and when I rise. You are acquainted with all my ways. Thou knowest me right well when I was being made in secret. And what I felt the Lord saying to me in that psalm was, Jenna, I am so very near to you. I am never far away. I am an intimate, close friend. I know everything. And I have called you by your name. And I see you in secret. You hold me at arm's length. But that is not who I am. And that is not how I see you. I walk with you. I am in your midst. Not for anything you do for me, but because I long so much to be with you, to be near you, to be in deep, intimate relationship with you, to be in deep communion with you. And in that complete knowledge, in that intimate relationship with the Lord, I felt such joy, such belonging, like I was drinking from the wellspring of his heart. And then to top it off, I went to the community conference through CCR, and this is the word that was given. And if you'll allow me to read it. The Lord has really been impressing on me that he is no stranger to us. That the God we worship today is the God who made the sun and the moon, the stars and the heaven. He is the same God who came and chose to take on flesh. He is the same God who fashioned the earth and everything on it, and he is familiar with all our ways. Everything in the world. He walked on earth. He took on flesh. He chose to be with us for all of eternity. He desires us. It is he who is so very near. So very near to you. So very near to us. He is never far. He is always with us. He is by our side. We are no strangers to him. We are intimate friends with him. He wants to be so close to us. And he is so close to us. We can confide all of our heart because he is near. He has such great desire for us. We are not strangers. We are intimate friends with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this word, I believe, is not just for me. I believe it's for all of us. 
Because I think it's a lie, an evil lie, to believe that the burden of your life is on you. You are not alone. You are not alone in your struggles and your weaknesses and your temptations and your sins. And you are definitely not alone in your desires and in your good desires and in all the dreams you have for your life. Our Father, he knows you and he fashioned you and he created you for relationship with him. And he never stops searching for you. Be his. Now receive his abundance and his faithfulness. Receive your spiritual inheritance, your identity, your dignity, your authority, and your freedom. Because you were made to return to the house of the Father. And to, to close, I just want to look briefly at the sons. Because neither of them knew the Father. Right? The younger son had a sense of who the Father was. Because when he was like eating pig food, he remembered that his father was kind to his servants. And we see him even rehearsing his repentance speech. I sinned, I don't deserve your love, but I can be your slave. Now that's kind of what he's doing. So he says, he knew enough of the father that this one will man. And when he comes back to his father, before he gets out half of his speech, but the father interrupts him, right? Before he can say, I can be your slave. The father just says, let's throw a party. <laughs> um, and then the older son, which, you know, I feel like probably a lot of us can relate to. But he never outwardly rebelled or rejected his father. He never left his father's house. But in the parable, the younger son always referred to his father as father. But the older son never once called him father. He even used words like, I have obeyed you. I have obeyed your command. I have served you, you know? And when his father comes out to beg him to come back in, it's like he lives as if he doesn't have a father. He has a taskmaster. He has someone that he needs to perform for. And so I think some of us have probably been very faithful. But maybe we see kind of holiness as this like Girl Scout badge, you know, like these little badges. <laughs> like, look at what I have done for you. And look, where is my body? And perhaps some of us forget that he is our father and running us to a relationship. And it's not enough to labor for him if we don't know him and lean on him and allow him to transform us. And I think all of us probably, in some small way, have this a not correct view of the father, a distorted view of the father, planted by the evil one in Eden. Now he is withholding from you. He does not have good things for you. You must take your life into your own hands, for there's no one else, sisters. You know, isn't that the mantra behind every great woman is herself? You know? <laughs> um, it's like, it's so sad. But the heart of the Father is abundant, and he never tires until he sends us Jesus, who is the face of the Father's mercy. So today, you know, as we set our hearts and our lives towards home, let us pray that the Father would reveal himself to us. That we would receive our freedom, identity, dignity, authority. And one of my favorite scriptures is that Zephaniah of the Father singing over his children. Let him sing over us. And let us hear him say, bring quickly the best robe, 
and put it on her. Put a ring on her hand, put shoes on her feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry. For this my daughter was dead and is alive again. She was lost and is found. And everything I have is yours. Amen. Amen. So we're going to actually just take two songs to pray. And then it will be personal prayer.